Welcome, acolytes of the arcane. This is Demonosophy and Beyond, the show that mummifies the mundane and curses the sarcophagus. I'm your host and Lich King in training, Greg Bryant, and I'm excited that October is here. There's Sam Hain coming, Halloween, and the Days of the Dead. The veil is thin and the dead will be coming out to play. In recognition of these upcoming events, this episode is on necromancy, magic of the dead, and we have a special guest to discuss this topic with, a person who runs multiple businesses, a teacher, a coven mother, a good friend, and so much more, the wonderful Lady D. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Greg. Thank you for having me tonight. Glad to have you on. Subject of my heart. <laughs> Necromacy is actually a very popular subject, but it's very taboo. So I'm glad to have somebody who actually knows about the practice to help educate the listeners out there about it and kind of demystify it a little bit. Uh, so, actually, I think it'll be demystified a lot tonight. <laughs> okay. Even better. Even better. So I would like to just go ahead and jump into it. And um, a lot of people think that necromancy is something that you have to like practice, but you were given a gift early on. Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, actually, I really like to tell the story because it really showed what it's all about. Um, my grandmother my father's mother passed away when I was around seven years old and she showed up the night of her funeral to me um, to give a message to my father. And when I gave the message to my father, originally he was like, honey, grandma went to heaven. I said, daddy, I know, but here's the message. And it was interesting because that message they must've set up beforehand because it validated that she crossed over beautifully and um, it gave my father a sense of peace. Um, I later on ended up experiencing this in 2006 where my father, uh, three days after he passed, did something that was very uncommon at the time, but he left me a voicemail. Um, letting me know that he crossed over and it was on my cell phone at a time where you paid for everything and mm -hmm. messages, you, you, know, you erased all those messages, boy, you made sure everything was all clean. Otherwise you were going through them while I'm paying for everyone again. Um, so it, it was a crisp, clean message in his healthy voice, which said to me, that was his way of letting me know that he's crossed over. Um, and still to this day, and as you well know, I have a business that this is all I do. Yeah. Helping people um, deal with the loved ones crossing and what's gone on. Today was, just to give you an example of what I experienced with necromancy, I had a client who I visually saw how his uncle died in a car crash, the whole thing. Wow. And, yeah, that was a little freaky, um, I will say, because I even felt the impact of the crash. There was a sense of peace that this gentleman had because there were some unanswered questions about the death. So there's a good example for you, sir. Thank you very much. 
vacuum. I personally, <laughs> I personally break um, necromancy up into two groups. Um, there's for me, like there's soft core, which is kind mm-hmm. of like ancestor worship and having right. an altar to the ancestors and kind of like praying to them and asking for their protection. But then Correct. there's like the hardcore necromancy where you're going in graveyards, possibly digging up dead bodies, using other spirits to subjugate um, the dead. It's um, actually kind of difficult nowadays too to get into graveyards to dig up bones. Yeah, but in, I try. in some countries they still do it. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Not yes, they do. In America. Um, yeah. I actually um, there's something I discovered when I went into uh, I was in Ireland earlier this year uh, because of the paranormal show I'm working on now, and um, there is this woman. Her name was Julia McQuillan, and she was known as the Black Nun. And what she did is the um, channel was right there. She would go and uh, pick out the bones every day that washed up the shore and brought them back to Bonamargery Friary. And um, she would be able to determine by touching the bones and holding the bones if they were native to Ireland or if they were foreign. That was that was very cool. So where on the spectrum of this hardcore softcore would you consider your style of necromancy? I'm hardcore. I play in the cemeteries. I go along, put my hands over the graves, feel that energy, feel that sort of thing. But necromancy doesn't only just stick with bones. If you have ashes of your loved ones in your home or your pets, that's a form of necromancy. Okay. So what what is there is there like an energy that's attached to them like yes. what is yes there's a cellular energy okay um just like dementia when somebody has dementia they do have cellular memories of certain things but the actual brain itself is gone bones do the same thing there's a cellular energetic memory to them so is this energy, is it the same as the spirit or is it separate? Like Separate, how- separate. There's a separate. Um, the energy that bones create are associated with the magne- magnetic pull of our planet. Spirits, once their souls leave the body, the meat suit, so we will call it, um, once they leave, that is their true essence of energy. Mm-hmm. So you have the elemental energy of the bones, which is, you know, the old saying, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, is that that energy is supposed to link you to this planet, to this earth. Whereas the soul leaves that body and goes off elsewhere. They can still walk around. They can go to the other plane. They can do whatever they want to do. But you will find that anywhere that bones are laying, you will guarantee to see orbs, well, uh, pretty much see orbs coming out of the ground where their bones are. As they're taking their, their bodies, going, bye, I'm going for a walk. <laughs> Granted, yeah. if you're either sensitive or if you have a camera for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Either <laughs> or. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, our last... Uh, investigation proved to be quite beneficial with the orbs 
we were in a building that was over an old cemetery. They moved the headstones, but didn't move the graves. So just a question. I've, I've dealt with um, groups that, that are like ghost hunting and uh, mm-hmm. do paranormal investigations. How come some groups accept orbs as uh, evidence of spirit activity and some don't? Well, in all technicality, the ones that don't, be, they're looking for something bigger. They're looking for something meteor. Um, it was ironic when we talk about orbs. Orbs have different colors and different energies that go along with them. And um, some of the orbs that we actually picked up were very clear, concise, solid with faces in them. And what do the colors signify? Well, if they're malevolent or benevolent. Um, okay, so- there, there, we had a couple of ones that were red that were no bueno. Uh, the, actually, the moment we saw them when they came, it one in our video literally checked us up and down and went after my partner. And he had a massive headache for about three hours after that. And then the orb finally left him. Was he possessed? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that one later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was so- a problem investigation. <laughs> With, with your practice, um, do you utilize spirits, different spirits, to either protect you or to aid you? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I um, have a couple of guardians that um, I call in when I need to. If I feel very anxious or uncomfortable about our, a session I'm about to do, I usually call in my, well, ironically, I call my father. Um, Archangel Michael, surprise, surprise, and um, Rihanna, my goddess, my my deity. Um, those are my big three. Rihanna gives me the warrior aspect of what I'm supposed to do. It keeps me safe and, and contained where I will not get harmed in any way, shape, or form, but keeps my vision very clear. Yeah, that's been my big three. My father's always been my protector. Ever since he passed. So um, you have like a little trinity of protection. Yes, yes. I, or I call my flying monkeys, but that's a whole nother <laughs> story. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> but it's associated uh, with my first name. <laughs> in, in, my pri- in my experience, uh, reading a lot of grimoires about necromancy, it says that the practice can change you. Um, mostly mm. for like the... Not, I wouldn't say for the bad, like it can change you physically, it can change you mentally and emotionally. Yes, it uh, can. Either for good or bad. Uh, how would you say that it has changed you and have you seen negative effects of necromancy? Um, I'm going to start with the negative effects first. Sometimes when you are too busy being in another place, you forget to be realistic in the place you were already in. That is a negative, but it's like my only negative. Um, Rest has been positive. The learning experience uh, that necromancy has taught me is it has led me to learn about more things about history, about more truths about what really went on, what happened, so on and so forth. It's also educated me on 
psychology of people? Mm-hmm. Has it made me um, change in personality? It's made me become more spiritual, um, more willing to accept exactly what's not completely visible and to um, think outside boxes and to listen to my intuition. Just tell me good or bad. Wow. Yeah. That, that's a big one. That's, that's the one you need as a practitioner. Everybody needs to listen to their... But intuition. do you know how many times we as practitioners don't and we even screw ourselves? Oh, absolutely. Because we're we have to un- unprogram ourselves from, you know, what society says about our practice and how it's fictitious and, and things like See, that. See, this is the thing I do. People are too afraid of realizing. They think it's such a taboo thing. And I don't want to offend too many people, but all this stuff is in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Everything about ne- necromancy is in the Old Testament. And that, that's one thing that I was actually going to lead into. I was going to talk about the different accounts of necromancy in the Bible. And I would like to note that all the, all the accounts of necromancy, they were not seen in a negative not light. Not at all. It was all about honoring. You had, you, you, you had uh, Elijah who raised the widow's mm-hmm. son. Elisha raising the Shunammite son. Yeah, Jesus raising uh, raising a widow's son. He raised Jairus's daughter. He raised himself. He raised Lazarus. He came. He came back himself. Peter raised Dorcas. Mm-hmm. Paul raised uh, Eutychus. Mm-hmm. And then you had the famous witch of Endor, who was, you know, she was a law a law abiding. Absolutely. You know, when King Saul came to visit her and asked her to raise the prophet. She said that's against the law. Mm-hmm. And what what led me to think about that? Um, no, the, the the interesting thing is that story led me to think that she actually had that gift, and she was not necessarily practicing it on purpose. Yes, uh- because everybody seemed to know that she had that gift, even though she wasn't. You know, she was law abiding. Exactly, and. Believe it or not, that has carried on throughout our civilizations in, in, you know, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe. You had village, you had villages, and in those villages, you had people like the necromancers, like the medicine man or woman, like the midwife, that they were there. They practiced the old ways using herbalology and um, working with spirits to help heal help put to rest or help bring into life so somebody else. This has always been practiced throughout our history as human beings. But, you know, in each culture, it's something a little different. You know? Um, so what, what, do you, what do you think this is so taboo in our society now? So again, this is where I'm going to get bashed for this, but it is the born-again Christians... And those who listen to what's being preached. Ironically, there's one very interesting religion that actually 
pays attention to this, and that would be Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, one of the one the only one that I know, and I've done a lot of research. I'm a, I'm ordained. I'm a reverend now, so learning about all this stuff it's it's amazing how long it's been there but when you get people who are afraid of something that they do not know they will spread gossip and lies about something that's really not true and actually can be beneficial and helpful to somebody necromancy can also create the medicine to help heal generations now how would they go about doing that okay over those little, 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 little cottages and countrysides, you would have your medicine person that would take the bones of some of the deceased, especially if they died during a famine or something else, or or we could call them the doctors that do experiments on cadavers. Think about that one. Um, they would perform experiments to figure out how to heal people on the said stuff necromancy has been used for medicine necromancy has been used for divination necromancy has been used for resurrections it's we've we've had it across the board there's also in science a lot of scientists are trying to figure out where we go when we die and and even that and and if they, if we have a soul and oh we all have a soul what happens to the body and stuff like that and even that can be considered a form of necrosis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I personally feel that magic is a science that is not understood well. There's a lot of things that us as human beings do not understand. And if you had been doing that kind of science back in the day, like in the dark ages, they would have considered you a witch. Oh, I've been burned to stake a few times, yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Well, think about some great people in history that had magicians or alchemists or people who were of the sciences, Leonardo da Vinci, perfect example, but uh, Queen Elizabeth I had John Dee who had uh, subsequently was the um, oracle for her older sister. And we know about her reign. She was Bloody Mary. So there's, there's a couple of people who believed in necromancy and the importance of it. It wasn't as a negativity. It was about predicting, I, and I hate using this word right now, predicting what happened and what's coming. Mm-hmm. So... I'm still reading up more on John D and and he's really was a very interesting man on what he did with He was into a lot oh, of stuff. Oh yes, he was a lot of stuff. Um numerology, astrology, um Nostradamus is another perfect example. That's how he started and then he wrote his prophecies. Surprise. I also think that I, I feel like a lot of people see death as something morbid, and that's another reason why it's considered taboo when it's kind of looked down upon by a lot of people. Okay, certain cultures, because certain like Italian culture. It's a, you know you got to be buried in the sacred ground. You got to be this. You got to be that, or you're gonna you'll never get to heaven. <laughs> okay, seriously, who decides? And it's death is a part of life, so it needs to be embraced. Circle like, of life, all about a cycle. Yeah, yeah. that circle. We were, we were born, we born, we live, 
We die, we reborn. You know, I'm all about telling people the truth and I try not to glamorize anything. I, I don't glamorize anything at all. And I know that there are dangers of necromancy. Mm. So can you tell me about the direct and the indirect dangers <laughs> that one may face as a necromancer? Well, direct is possession. What do I mean? Sometimes the energy of what we're doing, it, what we contact is negative. And if we're not prepared, it can, it can possess us and destroy us. Our health, our, our well-being. And what kind of energies would these be, for example? Um, the one that scared the crap out of me, and that was just recently, was... Um, I felt like when I was in a, at a, a particular place, it was a cemetery, and I was checking out a brand new grave, I could actually feel somebody being stabbed. And that's not a good feeling. It's a very painful feeling. Being an empath, that doesn't, that doesn't help matters. Um, but yeah, uh, I've had where I've been kicked and crippled. Um, that's why now I have my little trio. And sometimes the energy, you'll feel the energy coming towards you just in the nick of time. You can put your guard up. Um, but then there's also been, um, I think I should give you the ex one time I had um, a couple ladies came in, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but their brother was going to be convicted yet again of something. And he decided to commit suicide. He hung, he hung himself with an extension cord. And he literally, what scared me was he literally took over me and he was malevolent in every aspect of it. He took over me and I could all of a sudden feel the electrical cord strangulating me. And mm -hmm. I all of a sudden feel these like thorns coming out into my neck. And the ladies was looking at me and asking me if I was all right because I'm grabbing at my neck and I'm turning blue. And that was a battle. I actually had to shake him off. And that was a hard battle because he was not a good man. He was not a good man. So once it was off and I realized what went down and what had happened, um, I turned around and I said, you know, I hope the, I hope in the heavens that this one goes where he needs to go. But that was not a good person. And I can tell you in life, he was not a good person. And what he did was very bad. I'm not going to reveal what he did. We had that personal talk. Um, but I will tell you this. There's also been where I had somebody sitting and <laughs> I love this story. She had been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And she made a conscious decision that she was going to still go through with everything. So I do what you know as um, Reiki or pranic healing, or in the Bible, it's called laying of the hands. Mm -hmm. And when I did that exercise with her, I felt an, uh, a, an energy come through me that it felt like it was one of her parents and they went through me and they shot energy to her. She went through everything and a year later she was diagnosed cancer free. So 
that necromancy for that particular case, both her parents had died very young and they both died of cancer. But when I did the laying of the hands, if, and I felt like when I was pulling things out of her, that I was pulling the actual disease out of her. And she came back for a couple more, a couple of sessions while she was going through everything else. And it literally one year later, she was diagnosed cancer-free and still cancer-free to this day. So, so that's the positive of necromancy. Yeah. Uh, like when, when I was dealing with Santa Muerte and mm. when I was reading about her, you know, they were talking about how death energies could be applied differently just as um, and they gave healing as an example for example if somebody's sick you can heal them and then the body will fight off the exactly disease. but with death energy you can kill off the disease and then the body will regenerate that's exactly what I so did it, it's, kind of, it's kind of about like your point of view and how you apply the energy. yes uh, in that particular case, I took their, because her parents were dead, I took their death energy and we channeled it to be able to take out the disease and actually heal rather her body, regenerate and heal. Now, her sister had the same thing and her sister just passed. Mm. Her sister refused to come to see me. She, she says, I'm going to do it my way, my way, my way. And she ended up passing because this, this particular case so was very hereditary. But go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I, I digress. When we, when we when we when we when we spoke before, you said that people have come to learn necromancy from you, mm-hmm. but you have inherent abilities. So how how does somebody who has a natural gift teach someone who doesn't naturally have those gifts? Well, first and foremost. Those who do not have those gifts, you can learn all about it, but if you're, it's not inherent, it's not going to be genuine. Certain people are chosen to do this work. You and I both know that. Mm. You and I, we have had some great conversations about stuff like this. Some people are chosen, like you've been chosen to do your work in as much as I've been chosen to do my work. We're naturals at what we do because that energy just naturally flows through us. And like liked individuals can sense that within the, somebody else. They can sense that this, somebody wants to learn. Uh, they don't have, it's not innate in them. They don't pay attention to certain things that they don't want. They don't want the actual truth of how to learn it. They want the, the, the uh, cliff notes version, which you and I both know cliff note versions don't work. So, yeah, like, right. Um, so, when you take and try to teach somebody, us as the teachers need to make sure we know where they're coming from and the real reason why they want to learn it. Okay. I have a standard little rule. You could, somebody could tell me, oh, it's natural, it's natural, it's natural. I have a particular homework assignment that I give everybody. And with that homework assignment, that will tell me if you 
are really willing to do the work or you're just going to do enough just to get by. Mm -hmm. Those who dig out what I'm looking for, I know they're willing to do the work. Those who cliff note it, I know they're not willing and I'm not going to waste my time. And I'll tell them that. But somebody who wants to and has the natural innate ability will, will be willing to understand that it's, it's not an overnight learn. It takes you years, if not decades. Because you're, you yourself are always evolving. And you yourself learn more as you're going along with what this skill set is. And then we become our own students so we could be able to teach the right people who want to learn how to do this. I'm very conscientious of the type of people. If I have somebody who comes to me that is got um, some very negative mental issues, I won't work with them because you and I both know you have to be of sound mind to step into these shoes because if you are not even close to being a sound mind, you will be raped. And I'm talking spiritually. And even with a sound mind, it's it's hard on your psyche and hard on it's hard on you on all kinds oh, of levels. Absolutely. Anyway, absolutely. Time. Absolutely. And I know even for myself, if I'm not conscious of watching my time that I'm spending doing that work, it does wear my body down. And um, I have respiratory issues. Um, I suffer from as seasonal asthma because of the allergies. And my latest has been croup. Okay. But um, that's because I don't allow myself enough time to regenerate before I do my next round. Truth. However, there's also been times where this has saved my arse from some things. Because you'll learn when they like to, to, to work with you. You'll know, you know that. When, they, when spirit likes to work with you and they like what you're doing and you, there's a great bond between you and the spirit world, they'll give you some forewarnings on stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know you've experienced that yourself. You'll get that forewarning or that um, pay attention to your intuition feeling. That's usually them talking. Or just everything that can happen stops you from interacting with whatever. Exactly. It'll be like you're you're on the way to do what you're not supposed to and you'll get a flat tire. Exactly. A ticket exactly. And, yeah. It could be for the uh, bad booty call. Whatever. Seriously, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if if you're if you're good with the spirit, they're they're very loyal and they they make sure and they will not let you, even if they have to kick your ass. Well, that's like <laughs> you know? I've been having some conversations with with some lower demons who are not bad. Mm -hmm. We're really not that bad. They're here to like waste control, as I call it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best way of calling it waste control. Um, 
demons do not sugarcoat anything. Oh, hell no. <laughs> no. It, when it's presented in front of you, there's no whipped cream. There's nothing on there to make that sweet. It's the truth. Yeah. And you go, ah! <laughs> so, uh, you know, graveyard cemetery dirt is very popular in a lot of practices that involve necromancy uh, or in general. Uh, can you talk about the, the significance of different graveyards? Yes. Uh, grave dirt? I mean, yes. Graveyards are in churches. That's sacred ground. Cemeteries are like parks. They don't have a church on their property. Churches are predominantly one denomination of religion. Cemeteries are multiple denominations of religion or atheism. Mm -hmm. um, so it depends on what kind of work you're doing. Do you want this stuff to be sacred? Um, remember, when you're using graveyard dirt, that is hollowed ground. Um, because the church sanctified it for those bodies to be buried there. <clears throat> um, the nastiest graveyards I have ever been in, oh, and cemeteries, I'll even go there, I'll even go there, um, have been Catholic cemeteries and graveyards. <laughs> Bunch of angry people. <clears throat> Those are the nasties. Those are the ones I have to usually palo sample the crap out of myself with a little holy water surprise. <laughs> with a little holy water. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we have a spray bottle of it now. Uh, I've also read that depending upon where you get the cemetery dirt, it, it changes the effect of your spells. Okay. For example, if you get the dirt from maybe like a uh, somebody who passed away as a child or somebody who was a murderer. Oh, totally God, yes, it does. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, if you get dirt from a child's grave, everything that you do is going to be child, uh, that when you use it, dirt, it's going to come out in a childlike manner. Mm. Okay? Not in adult form, literally. It will not have... Um, the maturity of what you need. Um, if you're looking to put fun things into your life, using a child's grave dirt is appropriate. If you're using a murderer's grave dirt, um, that really is telling me you're doing some bad things and you better pay attention to the uh, laws um, <clears throat> of cause and effect, as you and I both know. Because we played it and we know we've gotten bitch slapped for it. Um, I've played, um, and I use this term loosely, um, I've played with dirt from a potter's field. And those are people who usually die without anything uh, financially. And the amount of sadness that comes across on that is unbelievable and heartbreaking. Go into a num nun cemetery. That's very interesting. Um, <laughs> I've um, Jewish cemeteries are very interesting to get dirt from. Those are the kind of dirt that you want to use, believe it or not, if you want to gain 
things that are of technical. Doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, kind of on the technical side. Surprisingly, or old school, or old school. Now, say you got dirt from Gettysburg Battlefield. All you're going to keep feeling is people being shot and tasting blood. Trust me, tried it. Old, old, old. The older the cemetery or graveyard, the more potent the dirt. Regardless of... I guess that, that death energy has like sat there for so long that it's just... It's accumulating. Oh, yeah. 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 It really does accumulate, and depending on what you're using that dirt for, um, can really intensify intensify the power of what you're trying to cast. And obviously, this is casting season for many. Um, so, I question: Does the surrounding area do the surrounding areas um, also affect how the graveyard dirt reacts? Okay. Yes. Okay, if you're in a very historical area, i.e. where I live in Morristown, yeah, that's going to have an effect because we had the Revolutionary War that went on, all that sort of stuff that went here. And the, when they originally, people just buried the bodies in the backyard. Um, so, um, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Um, but just the saying, um, buildings have been built upon these graves that the bodies were never removed from. Um, I'm also seeing that uh, perfect, another perfect example of some energies that we were getting that were good and really not so good was Somerville. Mm-hmm. The towns that have been established the mo- longest, you know, Mar- you know, Marstown, Hanover, Somerville, Princeton, these places, those dirt, that dirt's going to be more intensified because of what they're known for. Princeton has actually a few graveyards and cemeteries that I've actually collected dirt from yeah. to use for certain rituals. Mm-hmm. And so. and it's it's some interesting dirt, isn't it? Very much so, because I mean, you you have a lot of activity in Princeton mm-hmm. with the the schools, you have the art museums, you have a variety of people who are around there, and then you also have the churches. So And then go back to the Revolutionary you a, War. A, you have a big mixture. Mm-hmm. A big mixture. And you, you basically have your pick of whatever you whatever you want there. Oh yeah. Uh, and then so and then like I said, go back that because that's part of the Revolutionary War history of New Jersey. You know, that a lot of big things went down in Princeton during the Revolutionary yeah. War. You know, that was a battle there. Surprise. <laughs> so you've been able to u- utilize your craft in an ongoing film project. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about that? Ah, Ghost Seekers International. Uh, Ghost Seekers International is comprised of a gentleman by the name of Stephen McKinley who came to me uh, last year. And um, he had, he's from um, London, UK. 
And um, he has a couple of friends that are here in New Jersey and he was over visiting. And one of his friends happens to be a client, a regular client of mine. So she introduced him to me. Um, so I had a conversation, told him a whole bunch of things. I had no idea what he was doing, but I said it was something that was going to be really big. And um, we had a couple of conversations. And then November last year, he came back to visit and uh, asked me to be a partner with this project uh, called Ghost Seekers International. And it's going to be that we operate on both sides of the pond. Uh, we've been to Bonamargarie Friary. We've been to a couple other places in Northern Ireland. Um, we are working on getting all those clips together to get them up. It's going to be on a YouTube platform. Um, and then we're ultimately going to be uploaded. Um, the better news is, even though we are dealing with COVID issues, um, we have been able to create things that is incorporating us both um, as he's doing things over there. He, he's incorporating me. And as I, we're doing things over here, we're incorporating him. Um, it, this is possibly the funnest thing I've ever done because as you well know, we're a relatively new country compared to Ireland, uh, UK, Scotland, um, all those France, um, Germany, that's like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years of civilization. I mean, we have here too, but not as recorded as much as there. And the fascination when he presented to me Bonham Marguerite Friary and what the problem was, he came home possessed by a monk from the friary and <laughs> yeah uh, guess who had to get rid of that one me um <laughs> and brought it home to his mother's house um which i ended up when i was there had to go back to his mother's house and get rid of the problem um but he's also if you watch ghost adventures or any of those other shows he's like gonna be our zach to um Myself and my partner, David Fregno, uh, he's going to be the one that's going to keep me on my toes as the witch, as the necromancer, and as the, the, the intelligent person of the group. <laughs> but this is going to be a wonderful project. We've got some really good stuff. we got some really great evidence, um, not just visual, but the audio uh, has blown our doors off. So we're looking forward to our launch. We're ho we were hoping to do it in November of this year, but because of COVID, we are now, right now, as of right now, delayed to the spring. But we will be putting up some, what we call B-roll, so people can check out some of the stuff that we're doing. That's excellent. You need, um, definitely contact me with yes. that. So I can subscribe to your YouTube and I can also, you know, put you on blast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that th this is a project that uh, when you ask, you shall receive. When I requested something that I could work on both sides of the pond with, it happened. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um, for people who are interested in the subject, interested in what you are doing, and 
who want to contact you, where would they be able to reach you? Okay, at? I have a business called The Soul's Inspiration. It's based in Morristown. Um, I can do uh, in-person and virtual appointments. That's not a problem for me because I already do it uh, overseas and I was doing it during COVID. So my business number is 973-960-9505. My website is www.thesoulsinspiration.com. And uh, you can reach me via email. And my email is Dorothy at the soulsinspiration.com. Um, I'm taking appointments. We do have a little bit of a waiting period, but it's about two weeks out right now. So I look forward to anybody who wants to uh, learn from me or have a conversation with me or with your loved ones that have passed on. Or even if you need some spiritual guidance, give me a call. And for those who are listening, I am also going to put that information in the episode um, description so that uh, you'll be able to click on the link and go either to the website uh, or also call her because I will put the phone number in there as well. Thank you. So, uh, oh, no problem. No problem at all. I'm always down to support people who I know are. (laughs) Well, we, well, you know, the funny part is, as you well know, I kind of accidentally proved myself with Mm -hmm. our, our lovely, we have a great group of people that we have um, between our little, our little group and then, our Iron Garden family. Right. Which we miss dearly because of COVID and we hope sometime soon to get together again. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely hurting with that, but I, I'm actually I've gotten busy and I've been blessed in my own ways because of COVID and you know, had a chance to kind of like focus and, and do the things that I need to do to grow. Mm. I've grown a lot too. And while, and I think you and I, as with our own practices and our practitions, um, we realize that sometimes shadow work, when, when we have moments like this, shadow work is very important. Let's clean out the stuff that's no longer suiting us, i.e. hurt emotions, sometimes people, um, or honoring things that, you know, it's been a long time that we had the opportunity to honor. Yeah. And I, I think the best thing with me, uh, that shadow work was gotten through very early with my awakening. Ah, yes, the awakenings. I, I, I was forced to deal with a lot of negative things and uh, getting through past beliefs and, and being reformed. So there, I think uh, because of that, a lot of things come easier to me now. Well, <laughs> also the understanding is another thing. When you go through something like that, um, it's not just a one-hit wonder. There are stages to it. But when you understand what you're being shown and what they're trying to teach you, it's worth the journey. It is so worth the journey. And you end up honing your skills even better 
you end up uh, becoming more confident in the work that you do in your practice, whichever, uh, if you're practicing magic, if you're practicing um, spirituality, whatever it is, doing this work is so important because it will help you do amazing things. It's your medicine and people need that medicine. Not the kind you take in your mouth, guys. The kind that will help nourish you as a human being, as a spiritual person, as a practitioner. Not only that, but I think that it also helps people around us who are going through similar situations. Exactly. I feel like it is the responsibility of people who have already gone through certain things or who have matured as practitioners to help help the others and the ones who are just awakening because I know how much I, I wanted somebody to like help me out, but I was in a Christian household and you start talking about these things. People look at you funny. (laughs) And I had to go through trial and error, which is actually very dangerous because some of the stuff could actually kill you, you know? Well, it's funny. I'm very grateful that my father never shut off my skill sets. Mm -hmm. He, because I inherited them from him. So he was, his intuition, his, his forethought and knowledge of some things that blew my doors off. And when you're seven, eight, nine years old, you don't really understand that, what they're talking about. But when you're an adult and then you see things that have occurred and then you realize, oh, crap, that's what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, now I remember that lesson. <laughs> and here I know how to react towards it. Or run, far as run. <laughs> So speaking of baby witches and newly the newly awakened, what advice would you give to those who are considering getting involved in necromancy? Seek somebody out like me to show you how to do it the correct way. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And the wrong way is what gets you in trouble. Mm. Seek somebody out um, local, you know, Look for somebody that can teach you, but listen to your intuition when you're doing this. Baby witches, baby learners, listen to us. We were once there too, and it took a trial and error to find the right teachers to help us grow and learn what, we lo- what we've learned. Trust yourselves. The only way you're going to learn is to do. If, you can, if you're so afraid of doing, seek out that person that can help you. Join that group that will nurture this skill set. Okay? Greg, as you well know, our little group, um, as you call me, Kevin Mommy, um, <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that's what we offer in our group? I think that we all strive to teach one another and come to a an appreciation of each other's different practices. And if, yes. if somebody does have questions, everybody is patient and willing to break it down as simply as possible because magic isn't simple to explain. <laughs> oh, but no, no, we're, we're no, all willing no. to teach. And, and that was one of the, the things that we brought up in one of the meetings is about what did we want our house to do? 
And one of the things was to help people learn who were curious. Who exactly. 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 We don't turn anybody away. Um, if you really want to learn, come see us. Come reach out to me and I'll help you uh, get in contact with us and how we do things. Um, because we have an open environment where nobody is competing with anybody because we're all of different paths. Okay. You know, my roots predominantly Celtic and we have um, some um, other people that how many, wait, how I'm thinking of a couple of people that we have that they, they're, their Hispan their Spanish magic is amazing, especially one particular individual we know we we know. Um, we have a couple people that are phenomenal uh, energy healers. Um, we have sin eaters. We have everybody. Yeah. Nobody. Whatever your path is, we're okay with it. We just don't like the torturing of human beings. Depends on the human being. <laughs> that takes away our fun. <laughs> well, that's true. It does take care. It but does we, depend on the human we're, being. We're, but we're, we, we're not the kind of you know human sacrifice or anything that breaks the law. No, nah, we don't do that. We try not to get too no, crazy. No, <laughs> no, no. But the only thing we sacrifice is waiting to the end to eat the food. Oh yeah. <laughs> when we break bread, <laughs> we're like, all right, what did everybody break? <laughs> oh, here's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our three little law rules: we're going to we're gonna talk about business, we're going to learn something new, and we're going to break bread. Yeah. So you know, as uh, as as you heard, anybody who is curious to learn about what we do uh, can get in contact with her. You can also get in contact with me, um, and and just discuss things. I know there are a lot of people out there who are sensitive who go through trouble, you know, adjusting because of that. And Lady D has gone through that for most of her life. Not all of it. I've, mm. I've been sensitive. I'm like sensitive at times. <laughs> I think if I'm not trying to do the magic, I just automatically shut myself off. But every once in a while, the, the energy will be so strong. It's, it's like I can't ignore it. But... Uh, oh. Or as, who was it? I think it was our fr one friend. He turned around and said, if you want to know what the room energy is, just look at Lady D's face. Oh, yeah. I I've seen you space out, like, <laughs> so many times. <laughs> we got company! <laughs> I, I remember one time we were out eating. Uh, we were we were in a group, and you just spaced out, and everybody just went along normal. Like, oh, yeah, she's, she's getting some transmissions, you know? <laughs> 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 but this is normal for her <laughs> for people who are suffering because of that sometimes it's good to talk to somebody who's been through those experiences and both Lady D and I are individuals who are willing to help people out there uh, absolutely like absolutely that's pop, pop, I think that is our one of our biggest things is this stuff is not negative what we do is older than mm, time. Um, 
If you look at what the Egyptians did, they wrote all their sh- I'm going to say this word. They wrote all their shit and what to do on the walls <laughs> in their in, in their in their in their um tombs, okay? So, hi. There's nothing wrong with this. Hi. Some of the churches are now embracing it. Hi. Come and play in our playground. It's fun. And we got cookies. Um, we, yeah, we got cookies <laughs> um, and coffee. Yeah, actually, we avoid the coffee. Yeah, well, yeah, we still it, got it, it anyway. It's more like alcohol <laughs> for our group. Yeah, anyway. it's more like alcohol. <laughs> yeah, hello. Um, I have a new bottle of vodka in the refrigerator, by the way. Anyway, um, <laughs> so look, I, I have lived this all my life as long as I can remember. Um, and I know about the adjustments. I know about how some things feel and I've learned how to, well, dissect it, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and break it down into manageable parts and be able to take those manageable parts and deal with it a lot easier. Yes. What we do, you gotta be of strong will. It can mess with your mind. Yeah. But in the same token, in the same token, it also can help your mind. Right. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take back anything, any of my experiences, any of the dollars oh. that I've given, uh, you know, get, gotten. Um, no, I, I, not all. one drop of it. I've, not one drop. I definitely not one like drop. I'm a stronger I'm, person because of it. And I am grateful for my journey. Grateful. Because if I knew then what I know now. If I knew then what I know now, would have saved myself a few headaches. But however, I needed to go down that path to learn what I know now. Right. The magic, how to manifest things, how powerful a word can be, especially when you have an emotion behind it. And a lot of those people, when they die, and those that that how they were when they were dying, like um, happy, sad, angry. Vicious, that that stays in their bones. That doesn't leave. All right. So I know you are a very uh, busy individual. I appreciate your time. I'm very grateful for it. I, I'm glad to, so thankful that you had me on your show, sir. <laughs> um, it's a wonderful show. And you got me as a fan, so... Um, and if you ever need a demonosopher to help you out, you know where to find me. <laughs> I actually... We may actually be using you. Okay. That sounds like fun. Uh, for Ghost Seekers International. Because <laughs> um, I can't do it all. <laughs> so I, would, I, I, would love to, I would love to get, you know, more experience in... I mean, I, I'm already experienced to a degree, but, you know, just be in it, you know? It's it's always a good opportunity and it's always interesting because no matter how much magic you've done, no matter how much you learn, there's always something new to blow your mind. Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I would like to take you on a hunt the next on our next one. <laughs> I think you'd be pretty amazed at what you get. I'm sure. I'm sure. So uh, we have a we have a clip. I'll talk to you about that on offline. You'll get a good kick out of it. <laughs> Looking forward to it. 
<laughs> so thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Um, as I said, and again, if people go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, sir. No, I said it. Like I said, if people want to come and learn from us, please don't be afraid. We don't bite only if you ask. Yeah, <laughs> only if you want to get kinky. <laughs> but anyway, right? <laughs> I'll be leaving all the information if you want to contact Lady D. Um, if you enjoy this content of the podcast and are inspired to show some love, hit the support button. If you are on Anchor FM. Or subscribe to my YouTube channel if you're listening on that platform. I am also now uh, on Facebook as Demonosophy and Beyond. So if you are on that social media platform, be sure to stop by and hit the friend request on that. Remember, not just to take somebody's word on magic. Do your own research and experimentation. And I'll see you next episode, folks. You have a good night. Blessed be.